Live Creative Now, episode 137. Welcome to Live Creative Now with Melissa Dinwiddie, a weekly podcast to inspire you to create your art and share your work, because that's how you will change the world. Hello, I am Melissa Dinwiddie, passion pluralite artist, happiness catalyst, and creativity instigator, and author of The Creative Sandbox Way, which you can find at an Amazon near you, here to address all your questions about living a full-color creative life. Whether you think of yourself as not artistic, not creative, which is a lie, or you think of yourself as an artist of any kind or anything in between, no matter how you define yourself, feeding your creative hungers makes you feel more alive. It's how you change your life and it's how you change the world because that is how it works. Change your life and the world changes. It is a conversation episode today, an interview episode. episode, (laughs) episode. And if you've been around here much, you know that I, Melissa Dinwiddie, am a passion pluralite, otherwise known as a multi-passionate, a multi-potentialite, a renaissance soul. I am interested in passionate about so many, many, many different things. I am not a single focused person. I'm not narrow minded <laughs> about my passions. And as a passion pluralite, I am always thrilled to discover and talk to other passion pluralites, multi passionates, Renaissance souls. And there are a lot of us out there. We tend to think that we're alone, but it is so not true. There are a lot of us. We are everywhere. And I am especially thrilled to talk to other passion pluralite advocates. So when I met Maya Sharfi in person at a conference earlier this year, a couple months ago or something, after first meeting her online, in co-commercial, which is a social network for business owners that we both belong to. And when I was delighted to meet her, we hit it off immediately. And when she then asked to come on the podcast and talk about how to be successful, even if you're creative with multiple passions, it was a total no-brainer because that is one of my pet issues. Multiple passion-itis or passion pluralism. So, of course, I had to have Maya on the show. Maya is a trained facilitator, and she's worked on women's advocacy for over 15 years, which is another area of alignment for us, because my background way back when I was in college and grad school is around gender issues, which you may or may not know about me. Maya has run a research effort on women in social impact design for the Harvard Business School, and she is a founding member of the Equity Roundtable at the Boston Society of Architects. And she was named as one of Impact 
Design Hub's Social Impact Design 40 Under 40. So the girl's got some heavy-duty cred. She received degrees from the Harvard Graduate School of Design and Brown University, and her writings on issues of equity in design have been published in the Christian Science Monitor and Good. And she grew up in Chicago in the Midwest, and she takes an annual Rust Belt road trip. So as I said, we hit it off like, I don't know, wildfire, (laughs) whatever. And so I was thrilled to have Maya on the podcast. We started right off in our conversation by defining the meaning of success. If we're going to talk about how to be successful, even if you're creative with multiple passions, we have to talk about what success means. So that's how we got started. Uh, Heads up, Maya put together a worksheet just for Live Creative Now listeners, which she mentions later in the episode, but I wanted to mention it right up front here. You can download it at buildyourselfworkshop.com slash livecreative. And there's also a link in the show notes at livecreativenow.com slash 137, because this is episode 137. There's more really cool links buried inside the episode. So listen to those or hop on over to the show notes to find them and click right through. Have a listen to my conversation with Maya Sharfi and let me know which parts resonate. Enjoy. Well, let's get started on this topic of multiple passions. This is something that I'm super passionate about as a, I call it a passion pluralite, somebody who has multiple passions myself. And I have this concept of a stovetop model of life design and rotating my passions around on the stovetop. And I know that you have done a lot of work around this yourself on how to be you have a course coming up on how to be successful, even if you're a creative with multiple passions. Let's dive right in. Let's talk about that. First of all, I want to ask you, Maya, what do you mean by being successful? What is that? Do you mean financially successful? What, what? Let's define success. Yeah, that's a that's an amazing question. It's a great question. So I want, I want to, as a, as a creative might, I want to define it by using a little bit of a story that explains where I'm coming from and how I got to this point of, of teaching about how to be successful when you're multi-passionate. So, um, when I was, so today I run two businesses, I run build yourself workshop, which is an empowerment training company for women in creative fields. I teach things like negotiation, advocating for yourself. And then on the other side, I run a design consultancy that is focused on social impact and and change in in places and cities. So I, I work with companies like um, a big affordable housing organization, um, enterprise community partners, um, uh, the Highline Network, which is a new network founded by the Highline. I'm actually originally a landscape architect by training. Um, but a couple of years ago, you know, so a lot of people would say like, you run two things. Like that's a lot, of, that's a lot of stuff in your plate. Um, and of course on the side, I'm, you know, like painting a three by four foot <laughs> painting right now in the other room and, you know, all, <laughs> all this, this create, I'm definitely a, 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 
pluralite, as you, yeah, as you say it. Uh, <laughs> but a couple of years ago, it was it was just to the max. So when I first started these businesses, one of them started as a freelance um, freelance design work I was doing. On the other hand. I was running the for the the you know a class that eventually became my workshop, but I had also teamed up with my partner, my romantic partner, who at the, very soon became my ex romantic partner to run a pop up dinner club, and then I was also you know running I'd co founded a research collaborative, and then I you know I think I, w- I was trying to teach myself line drawing and create an online course on botanical <laughs> line drawing. I mean honestly, I I just had oh I was running a local speaker series for local creatives and entrepreneurs. And it was just, it was really exciting, but it was also totally exhausting on one hand because I was constantly jumping from one thing to another. On the other hand, it was hard for me to even talk about what I did. I didn't know what to say to people. And it was really an issue when it came to finding clients because I, 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 you know, nobody knew I I wasn't anybody's person because I did all these things. And then I think the, the final piece of it was, I also wasn't making very much money. And so my, my accountant, I think had, my mother told me, cause he's a family friend. He, he said, you know, I don't understand how Maya can be doing so many things and making so, so little money. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we tend to define success as, you know, financial success or recognition, or you've made it. And the way that I see it, it's actually more about a certain state of mind it's a state of mind that says, I feel both engaged and safe. And safe mm. can mean a lot of different things to people. Safe can mean I have enough money in the bank. Safe can mean I have a sense of self and I know how to describe myself, even if that sense of self is evolving sometimes. Safe can also mean, you know, I don't have to run around all the time because I'm doing 17 things. I may want to run a little bit because I'm that kind of person, but I don't feel like I have to run around and I'm not constantly dropping things. And safe can also mean I don't have to work so hard to find the next client or to get that promotion that I'm trying to get um, because nobody knows how to describe me. I know if that's my goal, what I'm going to do in order to get there. And I don't have to feel like I have to totally eviscerate all these parts of myself in order to get to that next level, whatever I've decided that next level is. Oh, my God. (laughs) like amen and hallelujah (laughs) it makes me think about when I think this was when I was dating the man who is always referred to now as the lousy ex-boyfriend okay and we were at the theater in the lobby and during intermission at some play and got into some conversation with some older couple and (laughs) I pulled out like they had four different business cards. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> I had the Ketuba business as a Ketuba artist with the Jewish yep. marriage contracts. And I had a, a business card for my jazz singing. And I had a business card for, I don't even, I don't even know what the other business, I don't even remember what <laughs> the other business cards were for. And the poor guy was so overwhelmed, you know, and my boyfriend at the time, just like he gave me this look of disdain. He was so disgusted, Mm. (laughs) which is one of the reasons why he is now referred to as the lousiest boyfriend. But that's the problem when you are a multi-passionate, a passion pluralite, 
and you don't have this sense of how to even describe yourself to mm-hmm. somebody because you don't have a core sense of who you are sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. So I love mm-hmm. that identity. I mean, that that description of what it means to be successful and you use that word safe. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Or, you know, for those of you who think that safe is not a good thing and being creative means, you know, challenging yourself. I totally get that. I think another word you can use is peace, mm-hmm. right? Peace or kind of, um, you know, I love the, I, I love the idea that comes from karate of mind like water, right? Like you're kind of ready for that next thing that's going to hit. You may be fluid and you may be changing, but there's this moment in which things kind of make, make sense, right? There's this moment where you can kind of pull them together. So I think of it, I think of it as, as, as a little bit more like that. I mean, I think the challenge is that some of us mistake static, safe for static, because I think we have these these narratives, um, a lot of them come from parents or they come from, you know, maybe partners or from the world that we're living in that what it means to be a good adult is to shed all those passions, to do one thing, to specialize it, to do it really well. And I find that even that even if officially you don't believe that deep down inside your inner critic oftentimes believes that. And you set up, yeah, you set up these false, these false trade-offs that say, okay, well, either I need to give up my creative side in order to be successful. Uh, Yeah, I either need to be, I can be successful or I can be creative. And then you feel, you think, you think, well, if only I was more disciplined, I would be successful. And disciplined means saying, you know, no to all of these things that I want to do or no to this, this core part of me. Or you even have a, have a narrative that people like you are not meant for success. And I think as a result, you don't get to that second part. If you kind of break through and you say, well, actually, I don't believe in these false narratives. You say, well, how can I have more of what I want creatively and more of what I want in terms of how I define success? And if I could, you know, optimize it, like what would I, you know, would I exchange some of this for that? Or would I try to set it up so I can have this position where I do this and then I also get to do that? And as if, if you can break through that kind of like false either or narrative and get creative about how it could be possible, that's when the real magic happens. And that's when you can start using you know, strategies for how to describe yourself, strategies for how to spend your time, strategies for, you know, do I work on this in the morning and that in the afternoon? Or do I take a retreat three times a year? And that's when this thing happens. Uh, but you never get to that point if you're not willing to to shake what I think is a flawed belief that you can have either or. Oh, my God. So you're well, you're preaching to the choir here, of course. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it makes me think about one of my mentors, and I know somebody, I don't know if you would call her a mentor in your life as well, but somebody who I know, you know, who is Tara Gentili. Yeah. Both of us are members of Co-Commercial. And Mm -hmm. I have taken a number of classes from Tara through Creative Live as well. Co-Commercial is an an online business community, an online community for uh, a social network for um, small business owners. And one of Tara's classes through Creative Live, she said um, a phrase that I think about so often as a passion pluralite, a multi-passionate, which is focus looks good on you. Mm -hmm. 
And as somebody who is really good at focusing when something's super interesting to me, Mm -hmm. but spent many, many years of my life thinking, gosh, I wish that I could just pick one thing and stick with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and get become like the best at that one thing but could never do that because because of course ultimately I realized I'm hardwired to be a pluralite mm-hmm. a multi-passionate mm-hmm. yeah that had was so like it took me so long to figure out that I was wired that way. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of focus looks good on me, what what does that even mean? Does that yeah. mean that I have to drop to like, let go of all of these things? Like, how do I do that? And if you're, if you're an entrepreneur, like, I have to, what is it? How do I wrap my head around that? Yeah. Right? That's yeah. such a challenge for people. I, you know, I'm coming to terms with how that works in my life. How Mm -hmm. do you help people figure that out? Yeah. Well, so I, I have got a couple of, of rules of thumb. Um, and I would say that, and so those are the things that I teach in my program. Um, and I should say about my program that, um, so it's called the build yourself accelerator. It happens, uh, four times a year. And each time it's a 10 week online program. And each time I run it, it's on a different, uh, a different core skill that women need to know in order to get to the next level, whatever that women in creative fields, I serve women in creative fields. So designers, artists, photographers, um, I serve even some engineers, graphic designers, um, uh, you know, musicians. I mean, I, yeah, my, my background's in visual art, but, but, um, but it's for women who are creatively inclined. So, so, um, each time I run it, it's on a core topic. Last time it was on, it was on, um, uh, building your, your, your profile and your visibility. This time it's going to be on multi-passionate nature. And so part of what I've done, and this is kind of an object lesson is I found a way to design a model that keeps me learning with my, my, the audience that I serve. And so it takes me a while to incubate a new course and I won't just shoot from the hip and kind of come up with something at the last minute. But usually what I'm doing is when I have ideas of things that I want to teach, they go on the someday maybe list, which is a, a, an invention that I got from a great book called making ideas happen by, um, I'm trying to remember if it's making ideas happen or, or if it's getting things done by David Allen, but, um, they go on the someday maybe list and then they're in the pool of things that I can use for future projects, for future classes. And so they get to, I get to keep learning through the process, but it doesn't feel like I have to, you know, because I've had this idea now I need to immediately make it happen. And I think that's one of the things that can happen with creatives is we get so excited and we just, we want to shove everything else aside to work on this project. And I think having a mechanism and a way to not just park your ideas, but to honor them. So have, putting them in the incubator means they have a real purpose and they're stewing in the background, but that I don't have to immediately act on them is, is a way that I manage that tendency that I have to want to just like tear it all down and start something new. <laughs> 
so I think I think that's a that's one of the um, the strategies that I teach. I think another one that has been really really useful for me, and I find this to be incredibly creative, is to find connections between the things that that you love. So um, the the second business I run is a design research consultancy, and about I think even about six to eight months ago, I looked at my workshop, my women's workshop on one side, and I looked at this consultancy, and I said, you know. I still run two businesses. I, you know, I sometimes feel like I have, I'm living a double life, but I love both of these. So how do I think about ways in which one investment of my time or an investment of my time on one side can actually push the other forward? What is the connection between these? And so reflecting on it, I found that the core through line was an interest in equity, um, gender equity on the side of the work with women. And in the work in the design research consultancy, I'm working a lot on issues like gentrification. I'm working on issues like racial equity. I'm working on class issues in urban areas. And so I started to say, well, how can I bring more equity in the consulting work? And how can I think about this and reframe it for myself on the on the workshop side? And so with one, with every project I did, for consultancy clients, I would kind of turn the volume up on the the equity piece of it. So with one client that was looking to do some recruitment for its fellowship, I proposed that we do a summer series that focused on racial equity within our field. And the side benefit of it was that um, it would be a recruitment effort for a much more racially diverse fellowship program. And, you know, I got to kind of play and create some really interesting things and, you know, do a survey and host an online ideas exchange. And and the effort ended up increasing the percentage of uh, black designers in particular, but then also minority designers that, that had um, applied for the fellowship. And it also, you know, I was associated um, more clearly with issues of equity. And so for me, it meant that I wasn't just thinking about the workshop on one side and the consultancy on the other side, the two were a lot more fluid. And what's really nice is that that work that I did has started to position me for um, future work in my consultancy. And I'm having um, I'm having conversations with potential clients and they're saying, well, how would you approach this? And I'm taking ways that I think about doing coaching and organizational change and culture change work from the workshop side and bringing them into my consultancy. So even though officially they're different, they serve different clients, I've found ways to find those connections and those through lines so that I, you know, I don't have to feel like I'm putting all this effort into growing both of these things that are totally separate things. So I have to put in all of this effort for each of them. So I think there's, there's, there's a couple, like it really takes reflection. It takes reflection on your own processes and then reflection on like, all right, where do I find these creative opportunities for connection? Yeah, I love that. What you were saying about the, um, I'm trying to rewind and remember what you were saying about the the multi-passionate piece, but whatever it was, reminded me so much about my own um, stovetop model of life design, which has made such, just that mindset shift changed everything for me when I started thinking about all of the various different things that I that I wanted to do in my life instead of, oh my God, I have to pick one and then everything else I like I have to set aside and I have to shelve it and I don't get to do it like ever again, mm-hmm. which is so paralyzing. 
Totally. Because then like you can't pick because as soon right. as you pick, it means that you're cutting yourself off from mm-hmm. all the other things that you love, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I envisioned the stovetop model, then I didn't have to make that. It was just, I wasn't picking forever. I was picking just for now because yeah, I right. could rotate those pots on top of the stove. And then there was the refrigerator and there was the cupboards and like there were infinite number of pots yeah. that I could rotate and swap out whenever I wanted. And yeah. suddenly that just, it just gave me so much freedom and like all this stress just melted away from that sense. feeling of having to choose. Mm-hmm. And like I could go to Trader Joe's at any time and get more new ingredients for a new pot. <laughs> right, right. But what's nice about your stovetop model and I, I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Renaissance Soul, but she talks yes. about it as she calls them. Yeah. So she calls them focal points. But what's nice about your stovetop model is that there might just be, you know, four to six burners on the stove. So if you want to take something off the stove, it doesn't have to go away, but it has to go in the refrigerator. Or if you want to put something new on the stove, you got to take something off. Exactly. And I, I think especially for women, one, one of the things that got me interested in, in this issue of multi-passionate is I saw a lot of intersections with the, with, with the places that women get stuck. So I see women swallow false narratives about you can have a family or you can have an ambitious career all the time. And again, I'm trying to get them to think about it differently. I see women get stuck because sometimes we're not putting the things on the stove for the right reasons. We are putting things on the stove out of people pleasing, right. out of a sense of obligation. And it doesn't, you know, this is not to say that we should not be socially inspired and involved people. But I see I see a lot of women have a really hard time separating their sense of what they should do, what their what their bosses and their colleagues and their parents or the model, the abstract male model in their field says they should be. And then they end up putting priorities on their plate that are really not the right priorities for them because they have a hard time saying no um, or taking a risk. Risk risks can be a lot harder for women because we're we're oftentimes we're we're raised in a world in which girls are told to follow the rules and boys are told like oh boys will be boys like you right. know blah blah blah. So I see women have be um, sometimes hamstrung by some of these these um, ways that we've been raised and certain narratives and practices, and therefore sometimes it takes some time to kind of unshackle from that before we can actually choose what's really right for us. So I had a woman who, um, who came through one of my programs who was really struggling with people pleasing. So one of the assignments I gave her was that she had to say no to everything that anyone asked her, (laughs) unless, unless it was the kind of thing that would get her fired for a week. So she ran around saying no. And she said, you know, at first it was really scary, but then she realized oftentimes saying no was not just better for her, but it was better for the other party because maybe she wasn't, you know, maybe she shouldn't have been doing that thing, or maybe they could have gone, like they needed to figure out their own problem. You know, saying no also makes women better managers. Um, One of the things I see happen a lot is women will get promoted and then they will, um, they will do their new job, but they'll continue to do their old job. And, you know, that's like having like 12 burners on your stove, right. which is really not, not a it's recipe for n- happiness no, or growth. Totally not so, sustainable. <laughs> <laughs> so like getting rid of the guilt. I mean, even, you know, back to the lousy boyfriend story. Um, I was running this pop-up dinner club and I had been 
I, I considered myself the chief hustler. I'd brought in the money. I'd done the funding. I had, I was the designer and the front of house person and like got our whole email list. And I started working with my romantic partner at the time, but then we broke up and I felt like because I'd brought all of the, I'd gotten so many people bought into this, I had to continue doing it. And at a certain point I realized that's not a good reason to be working on a project that, that I don't want to be working on with someone who <laughs> I can't get over because I have to keep meeting with him and, you know, like making, making stuff happen for both of us. So letting go of that was such a key moment for me, like of letting go, you know, letting, we hold on to things sometimes for the wrong reasons and not just because we're excited about them. Absolutely. I have some worksheets from a course that I used to offer called your big, bold, creative life that walk. It was a, a, a module on time, actually. But really, what it was about was helping people get clear on when they're saying yes to things for the wrong mm. reasons, essentially. Okay, yeah. And, and, you know, when you're saying yes to because of, out of a sense of obligation or guilt or whatever, and all the various reasons that we say yes to things, or or you're saying yes to something that you want, but it's not, you don't want it as much as, this is when it's really hard, right? You don't want it as much as the really big juicy goal right? that you're not going to get to if you keep saying yes to these smaller things that you also want. Right, right. That's why it has to be an either or, right? That's why the stovetop is so useful because you have to choose between things. Right. Right. That's why they tell you to budget because, you know, if you're just spending money here, you're spending money there. Um, but if you're saying to yourself, well, would I rather have an awesome, you know, like triple layer cake or would I rather, I don't know, like do like, I don't know, have like a new pet cat. I don't know. I'm just making <laughs> stuff up because I was trying to think of things that were equivalent to each other. <laughs> like then it, it makes much more sense than do you want some cake, you know? Right. Well, yeah, my husband, he used to spend a lot of money on eating out because, mm -hmm. you know, he mm -hmm. doesn't. He did, at least he didn't used to before we started going out. He didn't used to cook at all. And uh -huh. he would spend, I mean, he would drop like $60 on, you know, lunch or dinner or whatever. Easy. Yeah. And, I mean, it's like it makes me cringe to think about how much money he would spend on a week or a weekend. Mm -hmm. Just like, nor, like not fancy meals or anything. Because mm -hmm. that's just what he did all the time. And that's not where my priorities are, because money really right. is about priorities, right? Yeah. And absolutely. then we started dating. And then we started like getting serious. And then we lived together. And then we got married and everything. And now our priorities are, you know what, we would rather put money away for retirement someday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah. would we rather spend $1,000 a month on eating out? Or would we rather put that $1,000 a month towards retirement? Or right. we now own a home, you know, right. would we rather put that money towards maintaining the home? Or, you know, there's different things right. that we could do with that money. So right. what are we going to do with it, right? And we decided that, no, we actually would rather not spend that $1,000 a month on eating out. Yeah. <laughs> and I just want to say for the multi-passionates out there who are like, but, but, but I want, you know, if eating out is, is, you know, like painting, I don't know, pipe cleaner art, like yeah. but I want it. And I think that 
you know, you can have, and really, really, I'm sure this is how you live. You can have an awesome meal once or twice a month. And then, you know, 900 goes to retirement. And, and, and I think the, the nice thing is that when you actively make the choice, um, you know, for me, one of the ways that that turn into reality is knew that if I totally scripted, I work on these two businesses, that's how it is, no extra, extra projects, then I would rebel and I would end up just finding, you know, kind of not, not following my own rules. So what I try to do is leave space both within my, my business, but then also within my, my, um, free time in order to have something that I'm incubating. So, you know, Google has this idea of its employees getting to spend their 20%, their 20% of their time on a creative project. Um, so for me, I kind of call it 20% time, even though it's totally not a full 20%, but it's kind of one slot I have to be working on something that it, that one day I think is going to have value. Um, that's going to have value for the kind of things that make me feel safe. And it may not be there yet. So it might be an unsolicited proposal or, you know, a like wanting to design an exhibition for something that, you know, is going to not, not pay me very much, but I have one slot for one project like that at a time. And I have a limited amount of time that I try that I let myself spend on it per week. And that's my 20% time. And if I, really want something to take on something new, then I have to make a choice because I know that I really only have time to kind of do one exciting incubating thing, which means that I try to make that thing be as awesome as it possibly can be. And then, you know, I do love to sew. I do love to paint. I like to take road trips through the Rust Belt. You know, I like to do all those things, but those are the things that I do in my free time. And because I'm, I, I know what I do to work and I know what I do when I'm free is I don't often let work you know, I, I work in set hours and I don't often let work just like spiral into the rest of my life so that I actually have free time and I can spend it on, on the things that are supposed to be free time instead of work time. I love it. Yep. Yeah. It's, I think it's a matter of setting up the structures. I like to think about like funnels and scaffolding and mm-hmm. corrals so that we are sort of funneling ourselves to do the things that make us happiest and live the the authentic lives that we really want. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it all comes down to what I call my golden formula, self-awareness plus self-compassion equals the key to everything good. So if you have the self-awareness part, which is noticing like what, what you need, what works for you, what you love, what you don't love, that's the self-awareness part. And then this, the self-compassion part is taking that information and responding with self-kindness and Mm self-love Mm-hmm. treating yourself gently and when you screw up treating yourself gently like mm-hmm. you would a beloved child right not yeah. beating yourself up <laughs> yeah yeah well and i think i think the the one of the things that's important for creatives and process oriented people that has been super helpful for me is to think about that self awareness as a series of almost like snapshots so you know, yes. I may be moving from a stovetop model to a, you know, I don't know, like a, like a pole vaulting backwards cross model or whatever, right? <laughs> like a backwards cross pole vault model might be the better model for me to think about how I make sense of the things I do and how I organize my time. But 
I don't try to be a pole vault backwards cross person at the same time as I'm trying to think about myself as a stovetop. I think it's really important to have these snapshots of this is how I'm doing it now. This is the current life experiment. If it doesn't work, I will move on to something else. But to almost kind of like solidify just like a photograph does the the approach of the moment because creatives can get really, really lost in all of the could have, would have, should have processes. And one of the things I learned from my design training is that you make a sketch and that sketch is done. And then you make another sketch that maybe works off of some of the things that you did in that first sketch. And then Mm. that sketch is done. And so you do like iterations is not just about change. It's actually about this rhythm between the attempts of change, because the, the, the rhythm really, you need that moment of stepping back and saying, does this work? Does this not work? I don't know. Um, this is what works and this is what doesn't work. If I change it, I might want to do it this way, but you actually need those moments where it's you and the model, you and the approach, and you can actually almost like objectively look at it rather than kind of just get lost in, in all of the, all of the potential overlapping possibilities. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. This is so cool, man. I feel like I could talk to you forever. Well, I know you brought something to share. So I have a worksheet and process that I've put together for multi-passionates who are trying to figure out how to make sense of their own story. Um, It's a process that I went through a couple of years ago, and it was really helpful. It's on finding your through lines. So finding the things that connect the multiple things that you're interested in so that you can start to talk about yourself differently and also have an easier time uh, figuring out what to take on and what not to take on. So um, you can get that at buildyourselfworkshop.com backslash live creative. That's buildyourselfworkshop.com backslash live creative. And if you get that, you'll also find out about two two things that I'm doing. So first is a free webinar in mid-December on how to set goals for the new year that are in line with what it is to be multi-passionate and creative. So it's not just a kind of linear, let's set some goals for next year, but something that's much more fluid and exciting. And you'll also find out about my program, Double Vision, uh, which is for women who are multi-passionate. And we will go through some of the strategies and frameworks that I talked about with Melissa today, but we'll, we'll walk you through how to actually apply them to your own life. Oh my God, that sounds awesome. I can't wait to see that worksheet. Sounds like something I could totally use. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love that name, Double Vision. That sounds great. Thank you. So now it's time for something cool. Did you bring something cool? I I did bring something cool. So I think I should be on the payroll of of this comic book company because I have not only recommended this this comic to so many people, but I've actually started sending it to people who I just think would love it. So it's a comic called Saga. Um, About a a year or so ago, no, a couple years ago, I had this funny conversation with my partner at the time. We were staying in a friend's house and they had a Captain America shield. And we realized that we didn't know who had brought the comics into the relationship. Uh, (laughs) And I was like, well, you know what? I want to bring the comics into the relationship. So I started reading comics. And in that time, the best comic by far I have ever read, like so good that some people will even consider it a graphic novel, is Saga. It's by Brian K. Vaughn. 
Um, he's an amazing writer. He actually, I think, used to uh, do stuff with Joss Whedon, who was the creator of Buffy. So he kind of has that like quippy style. It's about two um, aliens from warring nations who are super hot, who <laughs> fall in love with each other and have a ridiculously cute alien love child. And they travel around the universe. And it's 100% social commentary with like the most gorgeous art you will ever see. Wow, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I I really I yeah, I get so excited about it. So oh my gosh. Can't wait for the next one to come out. <laughs> I'm totally gonna have to check that out. Awesome. <laughs> cool. Wow. Makes me uh rethink my something cool. But no, I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna stick with my original plan. Uh so my something cool this week is called Loom. It's a it's video screen capture. It's a software. It's free. And I found out about it first through CoCommercial, which is the uh, social network for um, business owners that Maya and I both belong to. So Loom is, and I'll leave a link in the show notes. What I love about Loom, because there are other free video screen capture applications that you can use. But what makes Loom really super cool is that it has all these integrations like Gmail and Google Docs and Asana and Trello and a whole bunch of others. And so if you integrate with any of those, and again, this it's, it's totally free. You're like, I can be inside Gmail or Asana and a little loom button will appear and I can click on that and record a screen capture video right inside Gmail or right inside Asana or whatever. And then that video that I just recorded, say like a little tutorial tutorial, or today I just recorded a little, hey, happy Thanksgiving video of me. <laughs> And then it will just, that little video will just appear embedded right inside the comment or right inside the email or whatever. It's really freaking cool. And it's totally free. So that is my something cool this week. It's called Loom, L-O-O-M. And I will leave a link in the show notes. So yeah, that's it. So Maya, thank you for joining me today. It's been so fun to get to talk to you about multi-passionate stuff and all the amazing things that you're doing. Thanks for joining me. Thanks. Yeah. Love talking with you. We will talk again soon. Okay. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks a lot. That's it. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Maya Sharfie. Let me know if you resonated. You can go over to the show notes at livecreativenow.com slash 137. And thank you so much for joining me today. If you are getting value out of this podcast, share it with a friend and hop on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. First of all, I would super duper appreciate it, but more than doing it for me, you'd be doing it for other people because the biggest way that other people find the show, which could make a difference in their lives, is by, you know, searching around and podcasts with more positive reviews are more likely to show up 
when other people do searches. So the more reviews get left for Live Creative Now, the more likely it will show up when other people do a search for a new podcast. So every little review counts. Also, if you are interested in being on the show yourself, just like Maya was, go leave a review on iTunes and then email me to let me know you left a review and let me know how the podcast has made a difference in your own life. And that's actually how you apply to be considered for the listener spotlight. If I pick you, we'll have a really fun, really relaxed conversation and you'll get to be featured on the podcast. How cool is that? In fact, I recently did uh, con- had a conversation with uh, Angela Ferrari of Story Spectacular, and this is what she wrote. She left a five-star review on August 29th that said, the title was Fun and Informative. And she wrote, Melissa really cultivates a community on the Live Creative Now podcast. Her energy is so motivating. I really related to her episode about intentional imperfectionism. I've always had a different approach to creating, even in regards to the other artists in my circle. I love the message of not comparing yourself to others. As a children's book author slash illustrator, I've had to push aside the overwhelming feeling of competition and have finally been able to start focusing solely on my work and putting out the best product I can. I feel so much more productive and successful working in this mindset. Thank you, Melissa. She left that review and she sent me an email. And guess what? She got to be on the show as a result. And you could do the exact same thing. Pretty cool. So I hope you apply. Just hop on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. If you need help with that, if you need some step-by-step instructions, guess what? I created them for you. Just go to livecreativenow.com slash iTunes dash review. That's livecreativenow.com slash iTunes dash review. Step-by-step instructions to make it as easy as possible for you to leave your rating and review and apply to be on the listener spotlight because I cannot wait to chat with you. So that is it. Until next time, thanks again for joining me. And of course, as always, go get creating. Subscribe at livecreativenow.com.